Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 224 and we're talking about, wait for it, Auckland. That's right. This is an update for uh, an ancient episode, a little bit grey in the hair and stooped over. Episode 109 when we first did an Auckland travel guide. So we're going to update it. Lots has changed, but obviously some things stay the same. Oh my goodness. It was a bit depressing kind of updating the notes for this episode. Because I could see how much things had increased by, like how much prices had increased by. And I mean, it wasn't a lot, but everything had increased. And I suppose it was kind of almost three years ago that we did the last show, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot has uh, improved as well. well There's a true. host of new bars, new accommodation options, new things to do. And uh, I think the whole city's really picked up. There's a lot more energy now than there was uh Certainly five years ago. I agree completely. I think it's a, a really nice city now. Before, it was a little bit, I don't know, a bit too laid back, a bit too relaxed, but too, well, boring, really. I mean, it was lovely and I enjoyed living here, but now there's a lot more going on. So there's more for a wider range of people to do. Be sure to visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books if you haven't recently. There's new stuff going on all the time. At the moment, we've got Art of Couples Travel on sale for nine ninety nine. And our new book, Travel Safety, Safety Tips for Personal and Corporate Travellers, is the same price at the moment. Well, this show is all about Auckland, New Zealand, our hometown, and we're also working on an Auckland guidebook right now. It'll be out later in 2012, along with city guides for other places around the world, so we're very excited about doing all this and getting them out to you. Auckland's known as the City of Sales. That actually used to be its kind of corporate branding, but even though that campaign's finished, uh, it still really makes sense. Apparently, on average, one in three Aucklanders own a boat. Yes, but and... we're not quite sure how many of those are in garages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, you know, under the house, or storage, or rotting at the bottom of the garden. <laughs> well, there's no doubt that uh, there's a lot of boats in Auckland's harbours. It's surrounded by sea. Uh, it's actually on an isthmus, so there's seas on both sides. Um, and the city studded with volcanic mountains. Well, and hills, really. Yeah. Volcanoes, but hills. They're not that they're not mountains. <laughs> they're called mountains, like Mount Taylor, Mount Victoria, Mount this, Mount that. They're not mountains, they're hills. Small hills even. I'll just go home, shall I? <laughs> You're already home. <laughs> well, anyway, it ranked third in the uh, two thousand and eleven Worldwide Quality of Living survey, which is up from previous years. Yeah, it's great. I think we were fourth last year and before that maybe fifth or fourth equal or something. But anyway, yep, we're we're definitely in third this time. So it's awesome. Uh, talking about Auckland's layout, well it's a very spread out city and uh, the land area almost equals that of Los Angeles, but it spreads north and south rather than all directions because it's on an isthmus. So um in the city centre it's about sixteen kilometres across. And uh, Auckland's main regions recently merged to become one super city. Well, yeah, we still got the, the geographical divisions. I mean, you can't move the land very easily. So you've got the central city, which is on the harbour. Then across the harbour bridge is the North Shore. Out to the west is West Auckland, also known as Waitakere. And uh, the Waitakere Ranges parklands are behind the suburbs. Then if you take the southern motorway south, surprisingly, you'll hit South Auckland, which um, you, was called Manukau City. And Manukau is one of the suburbs out there. So yeah, everything's uh, everything's changed and in flux. But yeah, you still get that that nice kind of layout of areas. You probably, if you're travelling to Auckland, you'll probably spend most of your time in the central city, uh, the central business district. It's centred around Queen Street, which runs up from the harbour. We say up, but it's actually south. 
and most maps are aligned with Queen Street in the centre, pointing up towards K Road, which is at the top. It's uh, perpendicular. Unfortunately, that's backwards if you're trying to orientate yourself, because that's south. <laughs> Very confusing. At the bottom of Queen Street is Key Street. So if you're standing there and look left, which is to the west, you've got the Viaduct Harbour, and then beyond that, the new Wynyard Quarter. Uh, and if you head in the other direction, just a little bit to your right, you've got Britomart. Uh, there's a Britomart Transport Centre and also lots of little restaurants and bars uh, along there as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're travelling into the city from your accommodation outside of the city centre, you'll probably arrive at Britomart because that's where all the buses and trains arrive. And then if you head up Queen Street, if you follow K Road to the east, you'll go to Auckland Domain. And if you turn westwards, you'll get to Trendy Ponsonby. Yeah, there's lots of... I mean, Auckland CBD is becoming a lot more alive. Things like the, the Britomart development, the Wynyard Quarter development, and the refurbishment of the viaduct uh, for the Rugby World Cup this year has all really contributed to that downtown area actually having people in it in the evenings. Oh, yeah. I used to go out at, what, 10 o'clock on Saturday night and there was no one around. You know, all the bars were closing and it was just boring. There were some nightclubs, but you kind of needed to know where to go. And we never did because yeah. we didn't care. And there's a lot, a lot of things that are more easy to, to find now. But Auckland's still very much a suburban city. So mm-hmm. places like Ponsonby and on the other side uh, of the CBD, Parnell, have a, a lot of good restaurants and uh, some of them very trendy and others more kind of family oriented. Yeah, but as we said, the city centre is becoming more attuned to the needs of the people living in the city as more of us these students come in and are living in apartments in the city so there are more convenience stores um, a new metro supermarket just opened last week very exciting i went and visited it bought some avocados they were tasty and uh yeah i mean before you had to walk for what 15 minutes out of the city to get to a to get to a supermarket so now we've got that one and there's another one opening soon as well Very cool. Well, Auckland's got a good range of places to stay. There's high-end options up at the Five Star, uh, like the Hilton down on the waterfront, and then places like the Stamford Plaza and the Sky City Grand, which are more mid-city. For budget hotels, there's quite a few different options. Lots of of backpackers, both in the CBD and uh, in the fringe suburbs. Some of them are a bit more pleasant, a bit more laid back. What we like um, to do is choose a backpackers and just get a private room, and that works out as cheap or cheaper than most budget hotels. Yeah, there's not many budget hotels in the CBD, um, but there are a few, but most of them are tend to be out in the suburbs more, mm-hmm. which uh, makes it a bit more difficult. There used to be a Hotel Formula One in the city centre, but it changed names, and I'm not sure if it's closed, and it's you know been in the state of flux, but they did just open one out of the airport. So if you are coming in just for a stopover, that could be a good option out there. Mm, yeah, there's B&Bs and other hotels out there as well. Well, let's move on and talk about food, one of my favourite subjects. Well, one of the really good things about Auckland is that it's really multicultural. And that means that there's a wide range of food to choose from. So takeaway options include sushi, kebabs, pizza, Chinese, Korean, uh, pies, Oh, fish and chips. Oh, there's so much. There's so much. Oh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta got to get through the rest of this podcast before we uh, go to dinner. Oh, man. <laughs> I think it's really important if you visit New Zealand, you've got to have a meat pie. So go to a bakery and get a steak and cheese pie. Or if you're vegetarian, choose a vegetarian option. There's all sorts. You can get chicken, you can get bacon and egg, you can get lamb and mint. Oh, that looks so good. And um, get some tomato sauce. Preferably eat it at the beach. If you can't, just find a park. Also, fish and chips are a really good option. They're a bit more difficult to find in the city centre. You can find them, but they're more expensive than they should be. 
So if you go out to one of the suburbs, every suburb has a fish and chip shop. It'll get wrapped up in newspaper or newsprint. You take it down the beach and you eat on the beach. It's traditional. It sure is. And I have that with a bit of Wattie's tomato sauce. I think it's the tomato sauce with the most tomatoes per 100 grams anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's it's Um, amazing. It's pretty good. Uh, well, the meat in New Zealand is second to none. A lot of the top stuff does get exported, but uh, <laughs> make sure you do have a good steak or some lamb shanks if you're so inclined. Mm. You'll find those on pretty much every menu in the country. Yeah, animals in New Zealand have a good life before they make it to your plate. So <laughs> <laughs> Most of them do. Well, they do. I mean, there's lots of space. There's, they're outside all the time. They've got lots of good grass. It's good quality. They're not stuck inside. And yeah, I think that's important. Um, thinking about meat again, we recently discovered about well, a couple of years ago now that Hell Pizza, which is a New Zealand pizza chain, does really good lamb shanks and they're not very expensive. So mm. if you're looking for a cheap option for lamb shanks, that would be it. Yeah. They and are if you're looking good. for a good pizza place, Hell Pizza is the way too. Absolutely. Well, sadly, Auckland's public transport isn't the most comprehensive, although every year we keep saying it's getting better. It is and getting that better. It is true. Um, the population density in Auckland is really low. We said earlier that Auckland's almost the same size as LA. There's just over a million people 1. living 3, in there. 1.3 million. Come on, don't forget the 1.3 million. <laughs> it's important. Very No, it's well. almost 1.4 now, I checked the other day. Oh, yeah? yeah? Is that with people leaving Christchurch and moving in? Mm, I think partly, but I don't think that would have been 100,000 people. No, but they, they've lost 80,000 people lost in the 80, last 12 I, months. I imagine they would have spread out throughout the whole country a lot would have gone to wellington to dunedin you know mm, that's true oh uh, well coming up to 1.5 million then uh, <laughs> but still the public transport's pretty rubbish uh, except around peak time where you've got a good supply of buses and trains moving backwards and forwards uh, from the suburbs to the city yeah if you're walking if you're in the city center you're fine walking around because the distances aren't that long and also there's a good network of link buses there's three of them there's a city link the inner link and the outer link, and they'll go to destinations more or less around the city centre. The city link is free if you have a hop card, uh, which is a, a tag-on, tag-off card, or 50 cents if you're, you know, just travelling normally without the card. The other ones are normal public transport tickets, so I think about 180 to $2. Yeah, it's possible to get around some of the more popular suburbs, um, Parnell and Ponsonby we mentioned earlier. Uh, you could go out to the Eastern Beaches, Mission Bay and St. Heliers, uh, you can get over to Devonport by ferry and from there connect with other places on the North Shore mm-hmm. and uh, all the city fringe suburbs like Mount Eden, Mount Albert, you can get to all on public transport. But if you're looking to go further afield than that, they're, they're all about within a 20-minute drive of the CBD. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to go further than that, you're better to hire a car. Like yeah, to go out to Howick would take you about 30 minutes driving, take you about an hour and 10 minutes on the bus. Yeah. So um, if, you're, yeah, if you're looking to move further away than that kind of 20, 25-minute drive radius... Yeah, forget the train, forget the forget the buses and hire a car for the day. Yeah, I definitely agree. One thing to consider, though, is that parking in the city centre is quite expensive. So if you are going to hire a car, consider where you're going to stay. I know Ponsby Backpackers has parking outside their place, but uh, not all backpackers do. No, that's definitely true. Uh, taxis in Auckland are generally very safe and reasonably priced. Um, certainly not cheap, but... Uh, a lot cheaper than their Australian counterparts. This is true. Um, when you arrive in the city, you'll probably arrive in the airport, and getting to the city can be a bit expensive because there's no public transport options from there. 
A taxi is a good option if there's four of you, but if you're traveling alone or just as two of you, then the airport bus is probably the best option. It's, the, it's called the Airbus. To the city, it's $16 one way or 26 return. Yeah, that's a pretty good saving if you're uh, also leaving from Auckland or Mm -hmm. even going into Auckland Domestic Airport. They're both at the same terminal. So if you're in Auckland for a while and then flying down, you can uh, get that return ticket and it's not far away at all. Mm -hmm. Well, they're different terminals, but there's a a free bus connection. There's a connection service, yeah. So you don't need to worry about that. Uh, We've got lots of information on the public transport in Auckland on site. Uh, If you visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Oceania slash New Zealand, uh, we'll link to it from there. For sure. So once you've made it to Auckland and you've got into the city centre and you've found your hotel or hostel, you'll want to know what to do, right? So I suppose one of my favourite things to do around Auckland is just to walk around. It's a really nice city for walking. And we recently did the coast-to-coast walk from the Viaduct Harbour all the way up to Onehanger. And that was really cool. Uh, we went through all sorts of suburbs and we had to go up two hills. And yeah, got really, really good views. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was good. You're going from uh, the, the White Matter Harbour, which ties on to the Pacific Ocean, and then crossing over to the, the Manukau, which connects up with the Tasman Sea. Yeah. Maybe it's vice versa. I can never actually remember. Um, I think you're right. Walking east <laughs> to west, right? <laughs> Need to look at a map. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just 16 k's. Uh, took about four hours with mm-hmm. a uh, stop for a, a, a snack along the way, and there's there's cafes and things like that as you go. Yeah, it's really nice. So yeah, there's heaps of other really places good. to to explore as well. I mean, there's Ponsonby. Like we already mentioned the kind of posh suburb in Parnell. Kingsland near near Ponsonby is always cool. And down at the bottom of the city is the Viaduct Harbour and the brand new Wynyard Quarter, which we just discovered for the first time. What? Three or four days ago. Yeah, that's our first time through there. It was great. We yeah. met up with a couple of travel uh, travel bloggers. They're blogging at uh, Global Global something. <laughs> I will have to look that up and put it in the show notes for you. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was really cool. They're putting on movies and things down there as well. Outdoor outdoor cinema. I really want to go. Last time we tried to go, it was raining. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been a bad summer for the weather. Um, we mentioned Mission Bay. That's a that's a beach suburb. There's things to do out there like uh, the Kelly Talton's Aquarium, uh, one of the first of its type in the world. Uh, we can actually go under and through the aquarium with the fish swimming above you mm-hmm. and things like that. And then uh, round to the cafes and bars in Mission Bay itself. And you can keep going further around and there's another two or three bays with nice beaches and you can hire bikes to go along the waterfront or hire windsurfers or things like that. Yeah, there are kind of three re- three Yeah, there are kind of three areas where you can go to the beach. There's the North Shore beaches over the other side of the bridge. There's the East Coast beaches of which Mission Bay is one of them. And then there's the West Coast beaches which are the more wild, rugged, surfy ones. And they have black sand and uh Pihar's the most well-known one of those. Yeah, it's next to impossible to get public transport out there. You can get to Titarangi, which is kind of the gateway to the West Coast beaches, and then you're stuck. So yeah, if you, you might want be able to get out together west, with a group from your hostel or something like that. Yeah, you've got to hire a car if you want to get out west. Um, New Zealand's well known for its wines, and there are four wine regions in Auckland alone. Um, there is Matakana, which is up to the north, and then Kumu to the northwest. Uh, Kumu's actually got a really nice microbrewery as well called Halitau's there on Saturday, and uh, <laughs> the food and beer does not uh, disappoint. 
Then uh, Waiheke Island is about a 45-minute ferry ride off uh, from the Auckland CBD. It's a really nice weekend trip. You can do a day trip, but it's a, a little bit rushed if you go for the so. day. Um, and then to the south, there's Clevedon, which is... Most of the wines there are a lot more rustic. There's quite a few hobby hobbyist mm-hmm. winemakers out there, um, along with some, some very professional organisations as well. The good thing about wine tasting is in New Zealand is that most wineries won't charge you a tasting fee, except on Waiheke. Going to Waiheke can be quite an expensive enterprise. It's about 30 bucks for the, t- for the ferry ticket, and then you've got to hire a car and then find accommodation and mm. pay for your winery visit. But um, when you go, do go to wineries, even if they don't charge a fee, it's polite to buy something. Uh, even if, if there's a group of two or three of you, just one of you has to buy something and they're happy with that. Yeah, normally. I think the more prestigious wine regions in New Zealand are beginning to follow the American model and charging a per-taste fee, mm-hmm. uh, which is driving the price up. But uh, if no one's charging you a fee and you like the wine, then make sure you buy a bottle. Yeah, I quite like the system where they charge you a $5 fee, but that's refundable if you buy something. Because that means, you know, that you're not taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally. Um, <laughs> Well, seasonal attractions. In summer, Auckland's really quite busy with free events. They're mostly held in the parks and uh, some of the urban spaces which dot the city. Uh, There's Music in Parks, which is a series of concerts, uh, very family-friendly, held in in domains and parks around the place. And there's Christmas in the Park, which is held in the big Auckland domain, which is right near the... The museum. Yeah, there's uh, often movies, we've already mentioned, uh, nighttime outdoor movies showing around the place. Yeah, and there's also Summer Shakespeare, which was my favourite thing to do when I was at uh, at high school and university. It's held in the Auckland University grounds, put on by university students, and it's $25 per person, more or less. And uh, we're also going to one this weekend that's over in Takapuna on the North Shore. I'm not quite sure exactly where it's being held. Yeah, it's at the Pump House. The Pump House, yeah. There's there's quite a few theatres in Auckland um, from from big, big kind of international style musicals and shows that come through, as well as lots of little independent stuff. So, yeah, but not many are held outside. No, that's true. That's what makes it really that's cool. True. <laughs> and also the Lantern Festival. I'm so excited to be home for summer because there's so many cool things. We're going to Shakespeare, we're going to the Lantern Festival, we're going, we went to Christmas in the Park, we're going to go and see some movies outside, we're going to go to music in parks. It's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, throughout the year, uh, the Pacifica Festival rolls around in March, celebrating Maori and Pacific Island culture. Uh, there's a comedy festival in May and a film festival in July, so I, uh, I enjoy all of those. Plus, of course, there's heaps of sporting events. We're quite a sporty nat- nation. Yeah. Um, the Rugby World Cup was just held here last year, and hopefully the America's Cup will be held again. Plus, there's all <laughs> sorts of uh, you know, like school competitions and national competitions and regional competitions that you can go to. Well, let's talk a little bit about some other attractions. We've been talking for uh, 20 minutes now about New Zealand. We haven't talked about bungee jumping. So uh, (laughs) there's two places you can bungee jump in Auckland. One is off the Sky Tower itself, and that's a controlled bungee, so the wind doesn't uh, smash you into the side of the uh, the building. Thanks for making us think about that. And the other one is off the Auckland Harbour Bridge. It's the only bungee jump in the world where you can touch the ocean at the bottom of your jump. Not that we did. Tide wasn't high enough. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, and you also have to occasionally wait for yachts to uh, sail beneath you before you jump. It was Yeah, that happened to us. It was hilarious. I mean, that our excursion. You have to leave. There's like a little office at the edge of the bridge, and you have to get out and put on your 
harness and then walk actually under the bridge while attached your harness is attached to the bridge you get to this little pod which is about a third of the way across the bridge and it's kind of hanging under the bridge and then you know everyone gets ready you've got your weight written on your hand and you take turns to jump they have different bungee cords depending on the different weights but yeah, our excursion took a lot longer because we had to keep waiting for these uh, sailing ships to sail underneath. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was out there the other week just before Christmas and did the Auckland Bridge Climb for the first time. And that was awesome. Um, you get a potted history of Auckland and, and the mechanics and the, the engineers amongst you will probably really love the more technical um, side of things about how the bridge was built, but you get some great views from the uh, from the top of the bridge. It's really cool. Um, that's that's well worth it. Um, if you don't want to bungee jump and other people in your group do, you can go do the bridge climb while they uh, do the jump, or you can do both together. That's a very good idea. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool. Well, thinking about other things to do in Auckland, well, there's the regular offerings. There's a good museum, the one that's in the domain, and an art gallery which has recently been reopened. There's an aquarium called Kelly Tarleton's, which is on the way to Mission Bay. There's an amusement park called Rainbow's End, which is out in the south. Good if you have kids. Uh, But yeah, I think the real attraction is in the natural beauty. So if you don't want to just wander around, some things that you could do is uh, catch a ferry to Rangitoto Island, which is a real symbol of of, of Auckland. Um, it's It's about 30 bucks per person. And you can hike to the top. It's a really recent volcano. I think it erupted about six, 600 years ago. Yeah. And there were already Maori people living in the area. So the, the name Rangitoto means bleeding skies. As you can imagine, if a volcano suddenly emerged in the ocean in front of you, it would probably <laughs> look like the sky was bleeding. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you can visit Waiheke. We mentioned it before for its wine, but we didn't mention the, the art and the crafts that go on there. Uh, that's about 35 bucks return, and there's lots of really nice B&Bs out there if you want to treat yourself to a, to a stay, as well as some budget accommodation. Uh, to get out to Great Barrier Island, um, that's, that's much further out. That's well outside the harbour. And uh, You went one time, didn't it take you about four hours? It takes about four hours on the ferry, mm-hmm. and you flew out there once, and that took you about... About half an hour. About half an hour. Yeah, yeah Craig the, was very jealous the, about the, that. The plane's definitely uh, worthwhile if you can do it. Yeah, my sister called me up. She's like, do you want to hang out today? I said, yeah, sure. She said, should we go to Great Barrier or, you know, down to Raglan? Both of these are, you know, like four hours by ferry or five hours driving. I said, oh, let's go to Great Barrier, because Craig had just been on this trip and I hadn't been able to go. And so we went out, had lunch, came back. And no one believed me when I said I'd been to Great Barrier for lunch. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's an amazing place. It's, it's really beautiful. It's wild and rugged. Um, and yeah, you can go pull lobsters off the rocks and get it cooked up for dinner. It's just fantastic. Um, then, I mean, what else you could you do that's kind of outdoorsy? Well, the zoo, I mean, it's kind of outdoors. You can that's true. see the animals. It's quite yeah. a good zoo. I really like the monkey enclosure. Don't say anything nasty. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a rainforest area that we haven't been for ages. And in summer, there's uh, concerts at the zoo. That's right. They're uh, really fun. Right next to the zoo, there's a place called Motat, which is the Museum of Transport and Technology. Um, and it's got lots of stuff in it to do with transport and technology uh, from the Victorian era and New Zealand's early colonial times right up to today with uh, with brand new technologies. I used to really love the tactile dome which is this big dome and when you go inside you can't see anything it's pitch black and you have to find your way through and there's all different textures to touch yeah it's fun. 
Well, if you're looking for a guidebook to Auckland, you're going to have to wait a little bit until our own guidebook is uh, released later this year. But um, Lonely Planet's Auckland Guide is compact and pretty useful. Uh, it hasn't been updated recently, so you'll find that the prices are a little bit out. Things like the Wynyard Quarter aren't included. Um, and that's the same with Rough Guides. They've got a New Zealand guide um, that covers Auckland quite well. Um, there's a pretty good guide to Auckland produced by Wallpaper. And it's beautiful. It is, but once again, it hasn't been uh, hasn't been updated pre Rugby World Cup, so mm. um, a little bit little bit out of date. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of good stuff, but there have been a lot of developments in mid 2011 that uh, that guidebooks haven't picked up. So. Check your guidebook and see if it was produced in 2012, um, and then you'll have all the up-to-date information for Auckland. That's right. Well, if you're thinking about where to go next after spending time in Auckland, chances are you've arrived in Auckland from overseas, so you should definitely see more of New Zealand. Um, I would hire a car or buy a car, depending on how much time you have. If you have more than three months, it's probably worth buying a car. Uh, You can sell it when you're done. Some organisations have a buyback scheme, but it's probably easiest just to find a backpacker or a local, buy a car off them and then try to sell it before you go. I would head north for a few days and then go south to explore more of the North Island, catch the ferry across to the South Island and then spend at least two weeks or better four weeks exploring the South Island. You can fly out of Christchurch, so if you can sell your car down there, brilliant. If not, um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Drive back up to Auckland and try. It's much easier to sell it in Auckland, I'd say. Yeah. At minimum, if you want to kind of do the North Island, you're looking at 10 days and then at least two weeks in the South Island. But if you can give yourself um, at least a month, you'll enjoy things a lot more. Yeah, I mean, we did a trip around the South Island. We had three weeks and we were running. Yeah, we were moving every day um, and doing events every day. And we only saw about two-thirds of what we wanted to see, let alone all the things there are to do. So you can definitely give uh, each island a month and you'll still be moving quite quickly. Um, If you are looking to to fly and leave New Zealand, um, you can jump over to Australia. Yeah, there's there's cheap flights to go there. Yep, there's cheap flights that go from Christchurch up to Kuala Lumpur with AirAsia X. Unfortunately, they don't fly out of Auckland. But um, so starting in Auckland, finishing in Christchurch and then going up to Southeast Asia is a good option. Yeah. Um, and from Auckland, you've got reasonable flights through to Fiji and Samoa and the rest of the Pacific Islands. Or uh, you can continue over to the States, fly up to L.A. or San Francisco with Air New Zealand um, or into South America. Basically the words you oyster. Well, not really, but <laughs> it's difficult to get to Europe or Africa. Well, that's because it's on the other side of the world. <laughs> yes. But you can fly from Auckland to a transport hub and transfer, but you'd have to do that anyway because, you know, you could only fly for 12 hours. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, crash burn. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, even if you're flying from Auckland to Melbourne, which is the closest city, you're looking at just under three hours. Uh, Auckland to Fiji is just under three hours as well. I think it's a bit more. So, so yeah, you're looking four, at, three and a half you're looking about... Oh yeah, up to Fiji. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Three so to four hours anyway. You're, you're, looking at, you're looking at a reasonable plane ride uh, whenever you leave the country. That's right. 
Well, I think we said quite enough about Auckland. Indeed. So. <laughs> uh, we've got more information on the New Zealand page on Indie Travel. So um, go to IndieTravelPodcast.com, click on Places and follow your nose if you want to find out more. Yeah, and while you're there, visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums so that you can meet other travellers. If you have any questions, you can ask them there. Or if you want to tell us about your trips, we'd love to hear about it. And you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So when you are planning a trip, please visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash tours and slash insurance. There's also travel deals updating every day at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals. Hopefully you can find something there. We've also got some awesome books at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books. So you should go and check those out and buy some. For some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast, invite them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Indie Travel, or uh, join the 65 other people who have left a five-star review for us on iTunes. Thanks to everyone yeah, who's done that. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.